It's time for Shattered Soulstone. Featuring the latest news from Sanctuary and beyond. Each episode, a heroic party of Nephilim band together to help keep you informed on everything in the Diablo universe. And now, your Diablo Community Podcast. Coming to you from somewhere in Sanctuary, this is episode 339 of Shattered Soulstone, your Diablo Community Podcast. This episode is called What's in the Box? It is December 23, 2021, and this is Jen. And I'm going to start off by saying I don't have as much stuff to talk about this time as typical episodes, previous episodes had, because it's right before Christmas and everybody's doing other things and is busy doing holiday stuff and and all of that. But I'll get to what's in the box in a minute. It kind of sounded sort of Christmassy, but maybe kind of not. You'll see. So what I want to start with today is something really important. Now, you may have heard the recent episode that Lantonio, uh, also known as Shane Rodriguez, was on with, with me for Shattered Soulstone, and he mentioned that he has been diagnosed with stage 4 terminal sarcoma cancer. As you may expect, this sort of thing tends to cause a lot of medical bills. So he has a spot fund uh, fundraiser that's uh, open right now for donations, and the goal appears to be to pay for some of the bills that the insurance refuses to cover. And, you know, this is the United States. Insurance tends to try to not cover as much as possible. It's not like some other countries where things are just covered. You know, a lot of other countries do this better, but we're in the United States. So I know asking this right before Christmas is difficult and that people have already spent a bunch of money or might need to spend more soon. And times are tough. We're still going through a pandemic. But if you are able, um, I will put a link to the spot fund into the Shattered Soulstone notes for this episode so you can help him out if you're able to if you can't do it you can still look at the link and like share it on social media and if you don't want to do it through spot fund he's got his email up on the spot fund information and you can you know contact him that way and donate that way if you want to do it and you know he's been a big part of shattered soulstone he was one of the four original hosts so this is kind of a big deal and I'm hoping people that, you know, are part of the Diablo community are able to come through, you know, with something, with some help, if you're able. I know some people can't, and that's, that's the way things go sometimes, but I just want everybody to be aware of that. There's another article from the Washington Post having to do with the video game industry and unionizing. I was talking, my last episode was called Union, because so many are doing this. And I'm going to read you a little bit from that article just because this is what's going on now. And so it's titled, The Video Game Industry is Closer to Unionization Than Ever Before. And that's a really remarkable headline because I'd love to see that be true, you know. So it mentions the Game Awards. If you don't know what the Game Awards is, it's like the Oscars, but for video games and stuff like that. Workers outside the entrance, uh, according to Shannon Lau, who wrote this article for the Washington Post... We're holding up signs calling for Activision Blizzard to rehire 12 contractors that had laid off the prior week. That same day, an independent game studio was gearing up to announce it that it had would become the first unionized gaming company in North America. And that's Vodio, 
that did this. I talked about that on the previous episode. Vodio is unionized, and everybody's getting what they need from the union, as that's how unions work. And I'm a huge fan of unionization. I think that's a big, big thing. I think people need this so that they don't get screwed over by nasty people at work that have more power than them. You know, we have to treat people like humans, especially now that there is a pandemic going on and everything's so precarious. So, of course, you should unionize at every possible moment. If you don't have a union, you don't have rights. If you have a union, you have rights and protection and people that will come and help you. So, in any case, to summarize, um, there's a quote here from Vodio, and I think I read some of this on the previous episode, but it says, I'll just read you a few paragraphs from the Washington Post one, uh, that contrast between the flash of an awards ceremony and the toil of those working in the industry is emblematic of the position of the games in- the games industry fi- finds itself in now. While video game companies rake in billions of dollars, their workers complain of unfair labor practices, long hours, sexual harassment, and workplace misconduct. Video game companies in North America have never successfully unionized. That changed December 16 when a union at the indie developer Vodio Games was recognized by management. And so... They have a union now. <laughs> you know, there is a union. Vodio's unionization comes as one of the world's biggest gaming companies, Activision Blizzard, faces multiple lawsuits and government investigations over its workplace culture and allegations of, of sexual misconduct and discrimination. In response, Activision Blizzard employees have called for the CEO to resign. That's Bobby Kotek, obviously. Uh, launched strikes and are circulating union authorization cards in an effort to organize. Bl- Activision Blizzard did not respond to a request for comment. Gee, wonder why. Vodio has about 13 employees across the United States and Canada, managed solely by an independent game developer, Asher Vollmer, who founded the studio earlier this year. So far, they've released just one game, Beast Breaker, which employees at the studio say is about solidarity and organizing to tackle big issues. The new union, Vodio Workers United, is working with the Communications Workers of America, CWA, a major media labor union that is also helping Activision Blizzard workers and their attempts to reach collective bargaining. So that's pretty good. I mean, that's a start. That's something in the right direction, you know. And if Vodio can do it, bigger companies should have to do it too. What's happening at the, in the games industry at Activision Blizzard and Vodio is unprecedented. No single gaming company like Activision Blizzard has dominated the headlines with lawsuit after lawsuit for months before... Uh, for months before, comma, topped off with an explosive Wall Street Journal report in November, and we know about that already, and then there's a petition that is gathering signatures to get Kotech to resign. Game industry workers have fought back before to some extent in 2006. Electronic Arts settled a class action lawsuit by paying workers $14.9 million for overtime wages they were owed, and in Europe where labor laws are generally stronger and unions are more prevalent, the Solidaires Informatique Trade Union for French Workers in 2019 legally challenged Activision Blizzard's plan to lay off 134 workers in its Versailles studio, delaying the layoffs for a year. Um, so there's more in there, and I'll let you read the rest of it if you care to. And uh, but this is what's this is what's going on now, and it's not just the gaming companies. Although I do talk mostly about the gaming companies on Shattered Soulstone because it's about a video game made by a gaming company. It's about the Diablo series for the most part. But this is happening everywhere. I was reading today that uh, pe- people who are working in the Apple stores, the the retail aspect of it, are striking. And they're going to not show up for work on December 24th to protest bad. Some of the things that it seems like many of these other companies that want a union are, you know, are stuck with, like, you know, 
terrible pay, too many, you know, hours that aren't inconsistent, you know, all of this stuff. And plus they're, Anyone in a retail store, especially around the holidays, gets abused. And I know this because I did five years of Christmas season, basically, at a big chain bookstore. And it's awful how people will treat workers then. Generally, there's always going to be some jerk treating people, treating workers bad anyway, because some people are just jerks year-round. But others get, like, really upset over Christmas and just, you know, it's tough. And if those workers at Apple have been trying to be heard by their, you know, corporation or whatever... Um, for a while, I can see why they'd be frustrated enough to say, you know what, we're going to just strike on, you know, the 24th of December. I get it. Kellogg's workers, they got what they needed after striking and having people not cross the picket lines. John Deere workers got a union and with, you know, better, all, in every case, when you get a union, you get better treatment, you get better, you get better pay, you get, you know, less abuse, <laughs> you get, you know, all these kinds of things. And I really think that there is a trend happening now that a lot of workers that have been abused in various ways throughout however many years are working together to get unions again in the United States. And that's super important. So I'm really proud of them for doing that. And there's more, I just don't have them all in my head. And speaking of unions, um, the A Better ABK account on Twitter mentioned that, uh, let's see, it's from gamesindustry.biz. I think I've, I've gone through this article before. It's an opinion piece. It's titled, Unionization is set to be one of the biggest stories in 2022. And I'll link to that in the show notes. You can read that as well if you would like to. Kotaku has an article. It's from December 11, so I may have read this one already. Let me take a look at that and see if it's anything new. I've, either I missed it or I've already... Reddit. Um, doo -doo -doo. Yeah, this is about Raven software uh, Q&A workers being uh, laid off abruptly right before Christmas, that sort of thing. So I think we know about that one already. And I'm going to move on with some Diablo stuff now. So before I go into some of the other Diablo stuff. So if you're not on Facebook or you're not on Twitter, the Diablo account tweeted out, and I wonder, I think there was a picture with a graphic and that type of thing, and it was titled... Well, it was tweeted. Let's see. I've got the tweet from the previous episode. Prepare for Hell's Gifts. And if you if you wanted Hell's Gifts, then you needed to click like on that tweet from the Diablo account. You would get an automated message with your, you know, responding back to you and talking about things uh, on the 17th. And that's that's what this was. So on the 17th, if you got that little message, you would be given a link and you would click on that link and fill out some information. It had a image from Diablo 2 with the Dark Wanderer and the logo, you know, that kind of thing. And you had to fill out like your name and your address and phone number and some other stuff in order to receive Hell's Gifts. When I filled this out, it told me I was not in the delivery area. So I didn't get one, which I'm not in the delivery area. There was uh, a huge list of things you probably should have read before putting in your information and stuff. And I read through most of it, but I missed the part that said it was like only certain cities in the United States, but not all of the United States. So if you didn't get one and you'd clicked it, it could be you were not in the distribution area. Or some people said that when they clicked it and filled everything out, they were told that all of the loot was gone. So what was in the box? Well, I retweeted a lot of it on the Shattered Soulstone Twitter account, and there are some things in common. It looks like everyone got a Diablo II Resurrected t-shirt, 
and everybody got a lollipop with some kind of bug in it. Some of them were ants, there was at least one scorpion, there was a mealworm, this kind of stuff. There's also like a little sort of a pop-up card kind of thing with the classes from Diablo 2 sort of standing up. It's just kind of a neat little thing. And then there were the weirder things that were in the box as well. And this varied depending on which box you got. So some people got a vial of blood and it's tagged with a little description that looks similar to like you'd see. It's very Diablo-like printing and stuff like that. So some people got that. Some people got, and I think very few people, got a gauntlet that they could wear. And it was, you know, you could put your hand in it and move around. It had like the metal on it and that sort of thing. So some people got that. Some got a full on gauntlet that was um, maybe a little bit more than the other one. Uh, there were belts that had little sections for uh, mana and health potions, like big round jars of it labeled as, you know, as you might expect. All of these things say do not consume on them except for the lollipop, which you can consume if you want to. And you got one. So there's that. There's someone that had a jar, a vial of sand. Uh, there's a collector's pin that some people got. This person that got the jar of sand got some little keys, I guess. It says something like try them on every chest or something like that. Someone was sent a dead crow, a taxidermied crow along with a lollipop and some of the other stuff, but the photo they took was of the crow. Yeah, just all kinds of weirdness. Somebody got a skull, like a little animal skull. Um, I don't know what animal that is, but yeah. I don't know if it's plastic or if it's real or, or what the deal was with that. There were um, a couple of people who got uh, taxidermied rats in their box along with some other stuff so it was just kind of random as to what you'd be getting and there's another skull this one looks like a human skull someone got i don't know exactly where this came from but it looks like everybody got a lollipop with bugs in it so if that's your thing you know huzzah <laughs> i don't know i have food allergies i can't eat much at all i have no idea how i'd react to bugs but overall i'm thinking you know i didn't get one of these boxes and i'm kind of happy about that because I I don't want a taxidermied rat, really. I really don't want one, so it could have been that. So I feel like I've dodged a bullet there, so to speak, because, uh, you know, I mean, people who have pet rats, those rats are cute, and they're generally nice. But my husband and I had an incident where we had a rat just ravaging our house, and we did eventually get an exterminator. So I just, I do not want a taxidermied rat popping up somewhere you know like if I put it on a shelf and forgot or wasn't awake enough I think it would just freak me out so I do not want a taxidermied rat from you know from the hells I guess you know <laughs> but it was a really clever promotion that they did and a lot of people were excited enough to post pictures and in some cases videos about it about the things they got and it was just kind of neat you know it was just kind of neat kind of weird um, I have seen the lollipops with bugs in them before, so they probably got it from whatever company it is that makes those, just sent them out there, and the rest was very, like, Diablo, you know, loot-type thing-oriented, except, like, you know, someone got a taxidermied crow, and at least two people got taxidermied rats, which, yeah... I don't know, is this overboard, Diablo? I'm not sure. Do you really want to be sending people taxidermied animals? I mean, clearly you did. Um, it's just, I don't know. It's weird. It's interesting. But that's 
among the things that were in the box. If you got a box, if you didn't get a box, well, then you're like me and you didn't get a box. But I, I'm kind of glad I didn't get one. <laughs> you know, honestly, I, I'm, I think I was saved by being outside of the delivery area <laughs> from this because I don't want, I don't want a taxidermied animal. I really don't, you know. All right, so moving on, on December 17, there was a blue post by Filthy Rich, who is a community manager. This post is called Season 25, 1217 Hot Fix Now Live. And this is what Filthy Rich wrote. A hot fix was applied for patch 2.7.2 to specifically address the issue related to demon hunters utilizing an exploit to clear high-level content such as Greater Rift, Greater Rift 150s in an unintended way. In addition to the demon hunter updates, several leaderboards have also been reset to ensure an even playing field for those playing through competitive seasonal content. The past few days have been busy with many players sharing the issues related to this exploit, and your feedback slash information has helped us release the patch that that we have today. We will continue to monitor behavior, leaderboards, and messages here to ensure that all is good with this recent hotfix. We appreciate your patience and feedback on the matter. Thank you. Now, it is not unheard of, in Diablo 3 at least, and I can't really speak to the rest, but I've, I could think of several incidents where somebody found a bug and didn't report it and intentionally used it to give themselves advantage over other players who had not found the bug or who found the bug and said, I am not touching this, that's not a thing we need here, and, and reported, hey, there's this bug to people like community manager Filthy Rich, right? And... It just seems to me that I, I don't understand how the game could be fun if you're using an exploit that is not intended to be in the game to boost yourself up the leaderboards. Like, how is that fun? That's not competitive anymore. You took advantage of something that you should not have messed with at all, really. Um, now, I could see if somebody stumbled upon it and went, oh, wait, I bet that's not something they want, and then reported, hey, there's this thing. Um, but I think it's it sounds to me as though a lot of people were using that exploit and... Um, hoping not to get caught. So I don't know what happened to the people who have, you know, done that, but they did reset the leaderboards. So, you know, if you, if you see a bug type thing, maybe don't do that, you know, just maybe don't do that. Um, we've also got a new episode as of December 18 from Carbot uh, Animation, and this one appears to be called Want to Know how to, how to Farm Gold, and it's on YouTube. It's episode number 41. It's got the wonderfully stylized cartoony drawing in the preview of the video with a barbarian who looks overjoyed and has all this gold falling around him and stuff like that, so it's kind of neat. <laughs> um, you can check that out on YouTube, and any, everything will be in the show notes. And lastly, I'm going to go over the Diablo 4 quarterly update for December 2021. This was released on December 20, so just a couple days ago from the time I'm recording this episode. And it's long, so I'm not going to read absolutely everything in here. But I'll, um, I'll read you a little bit. It looks like it's written by Joe Shelley, game director for Diablo 4. Uh, they've got uh, the itemization of Diablo 4, and this is written by Joe Piapora, the lead systems designer, and he's talking about things like uh, added skill rank affixes, 
plus rank, plus skill rank Apexes. It's returning as players invest points in skills, they grow in potency, and finding items with plus skill rank can speed that along. As a bonus, when the player equips an item with plus skill rank for a skill they haven't learned, they will have access to that new ability. It's a great way to try out new skills before you're able to invest in them. Getting a lucky drop that nets you a skill you'd like for your build 10 levels before you would otherwise have access to it is a huge boost. And it's got an example here of the slowing large axe of flaying magic two-handed axe parentheses slashing and it's got its stats on there and it's level 44 and you know that you can so you can tell what it is and everything it looks similarly to what you'd see in diablo 3 and probably diablo 2 but it, the writing's a little bit it, the, the font is the same but things are placed a little differently and that might not even be the way it gets to in the game, but this is what you see. Uh, legendary and unique items. They mentioned that back in the December 2020 update, legendary and unique items remain a core part of the, Di the Diablo item chase experience. We've made a foundational change to legendary items in Diablo 4 by allowing legendary powers to appear on multiple item slots. Now, if you're searching for a legendary power like martial arts, which enhances the barbarian's kick ability, you may find it on rings, chest plates, or helmets. There's no need to hunt for a specific type of item any longer. So that's really cool, because if the thing that you want is only on a helm, then you're going to go searching for helms until you get that one. But now it sounds like it could also be on rings or chest plates or other stuff, so you have more of a chance of getting that you know, ability that you want, the legendary power you want. So that sounds good. To continue, there's a thing with the occultist, which is a really neat looking character. This is a, a person of indeterminate gender who's wearing a lot of rags and a lot of ropey things around them. There's like a sort of a shroud over their face and a, a little skull and some other like little coins and some herbs and stuff in their barefoot apparently. It's kind of hard to tell. Like you can't see this person's face at all and I don't know if they talk or not, right? But it says the occultist can extract a legendary power from a legendary item, crystallizing it into essence while destroying the item in the process. That essence can then be implanted into another legendary item, overriding the power that was present in the item at that time. Essence material can also be stored and used at a, at a later time. Unique items cannot be modified in this way, keeping their fantasies intact as their name implies unique. Okay, so if you have, um, there's some examples here, like pent up axe, slashing and uh, all this other stuff, amulets, rare amulets and things, and you know what you can do. None of this is final. Every piece of art in here, um, with the exception of the occultist one for some reason, has a little stamp on it saying, you know, not final could change. And of course we should realize that because the game's not out yet and they're still doing things with it. Okay, there's a little bit about hunting for items. And uh, let's see... Each of the monsters seems to enjoy collecting certain types of items and will be somewhat more likely to drop those items than others. While bandits are fond of maces, crossbows, and boots, if you're hunting for a new pair of pants, you'd do well to kill some of the drowned instead. In past discussions, we've received feedback that it seems deflating for so much of a character's power to be delivered through the gear that they have equipped. Customizing and planning a character feels less rewarding if it doesn't play a big role in how the character performs in combat. We hear you loud and clear. And in Diablo 4, we have placed a stronger emphasis on character power that is earned by all the little decisions you make while leveling up and exploring the world of Sanctuary. So that's pretty cool. There's a Paragon board which looks very strange to me. Again, not final. And there's just a bunch of dots on it. And you can put something into the dots 
and there's it's like little tiles. Some of them are orange. Most of them look kind of orange. Some are red. There's a few hexagonal ones that are yellow. It's kind of a lot. It looks like the weirdest game of Go I've ever seen, you know, <laughs> but that's not really what it is. Um, so the normal tiles are straightforward, providing a small but meaningful stat boost. Normal tiles are connective tissues that can be found throughout the board and are quite common. Magic tiles are found in clusters throughout the board and provide a potent, more diverse set of benefits. As you might expect, they are less common than normal tiles, but are still plentiful. Rare tiles offer significant boosts in power. Upon entering the Paragon board for the first time, these represent great goals for players to chase, particularly once you've narrowed builds down toward highly specific goals. Rare tiles also have additional powers that unlock once the hero has raised an attribute to a sufficient level, requiring some choices to be made when you're plotting your path through the board. Legendary titles. After the first Paragon board, each new board has a single legendary tile that can be found at its center. Legendary tiles impart a new legendary power to the character that earns it, and then there's some descriptions of that. There's things here about glyphs and sockets. Uh, gate tiles and board selection. A single gate tile lies at each edge of the Paragon board. As you progress through the Paragon board, you will eventually reach a gate tile, upon which upon unlocking will allow you to select a new Paragon board to attach to your existing board. Each of these boards has unique tile layouts and new magic and rare tiles and a new legendary tile at the center. The Paragon board is extended from these gate tiles. Upon selecting from the Paragon board list, you will be able to place the board down, connecting it to the newly unlocked gate tile. You may also optionally rotate that new placed board, which gives you a lot of options. Personally, I think this is going to overwhelm me when I start looking at it the first time, but maybe it just becomes intuitive after that, but it's a lot of little choices and little dots, and it does not appear from what they're showing here that it has to do with numbers so much as you're choosing you know, do you want this to be on a normal tile or a rare tile or this sort of thing? And maybe that'll work better for people like me that aren't so good with numbers but can handle visuals to some degree. Um, speaking of visuals, they've got visual effects that they're talking about. There is a philosophy to this. This part was written by Daniel Briggs. He's the lead visual effects artist for Diablo 4. And the philosophy of it is every effect plays a role in the final composition of our game. It's important to understand the context of an effect and how it best serves your experience. And, um, you know, it just kind of goes from there. There's some combat improvements that they've made. For example, Whirlwind in Diablo 3 is a cylinder shape surrounding your barbarian, which applies damage every couple of frames at a rate based on your attack speed. In Diablo 4, Whirlwind is an animated pie shape that animates with your character. AoEs expand outward with time, and melee swings match the motion of your weapon. Animated target areas improve accuracy to the way we apply damage in Diablo 4. It makes combat feel more impactful, and monster ragdolls more visceral. Animated payloads also add a subtle timing aspect to a variety of skills. And then they've got some videos here with monsters and the way the light hits them and stuff like that, which if you want to check out, you can. And there's... Just a lot of stuff. There's a look at elemental magic. So they've got like the red health globe and the blue mana globe. And then there's some other colors and stuff, depending on what you're using. Like the sorceress has the blue one. Everyone has the red one. And then sorceress has the blue one. Barbarian has an orange one or 
maybe a green one or whatever. Um, you can just you can see them through there. And I know there's been some videos posted that may have come from this that were about the druid character in D4, where you can see as they change from their humanoid form to like a bear form or something. You could see like or a were a werewolf form. You could see their bones and their blood sort of rebuilding as they do this and then they had that uh that druid fight a stationary looking look like a big kazra like a tall one and you know bloodying up this kazra and then you know the character the druid was full of blood and when he changed into a bear or a werewolf the blood stayed so that's kind of unique that's interesting to look at i don't know where all of this is going with them but um it sounds interesting we still don't have, like, this is when we're going to release Diablo 4. We don't have that yet, and we probably won't have that for a while, but I really like that they are going through a lot of effort to let us know, here's what we've been working on. You know, what do you think? Here's what we changed based on what people thought about that, and here's a new thing we're thinking about, and, and all these little videos. I think they're doing a good job as much as they can with a game that's not expected to come out you know, anytime soon. So that's really all I have for today. So I'll put everything in the show notes. You can check it out whenever you want. It'll be there and you can read as much of it as you care to. There's just, there's never a lot of stuff to report on as far as for podcasting right before a major holiday. So this is what I found and hopefully that's going to be entertaining enough and I'm going to close the show here. You have been listening to episode 339 of the Shattered Soulstone, your Diablo community podcast. Missed an episode? You can find the show blog and listen to the show archives at www.shatteredsoulstone.com. Come join us in game. Our in-game community and clan are named Shattered Soulstone, certainly in Diablo 3. I don't know about the rest. Are open to anyone who would like to join. You can also join us on the Discord for the ultimate team and community-based experience. Find the Discord invitation link on our Twitter and Facebook page, as well as at the Shattered Soulstone website. Thank you for listening.